This is Gigi Rosenberg, public speaking coach and artist coach, and you're listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. This episode is sponsored by a writer's sketch. It's the art and poetry book by yours truly and also my husband with his poems and my artwork. To order it, go to shulmanart.com forward slash poetry book, and we have some special bonuses for you. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 52 of the Inspiration Plays podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, we're talking all about how to pitch yourself, whether you're applying for an artist or writer's grant, networking at a party, or maybe you even want to be a guest on a podcast. So in this episode, you'll discover why applying for an artist grant has benefits even if you don't win it, how to talk about yourself and your work, and why collaborating with peers brings you more opportunities, not more competition. Before we get in today's episode, I wanted to tell you about an exciting opportunity that I'm offering podcast listeners to talk to me. So here's the story. Since you're already a listener, if you leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a review there, take a screenshot of the review and send it over to me and my team, support at theinspirationplace.net. The next 20 people to send me their reviews can arrange to spend 10 minutes talking to me over the phone or over Zoom conference on any topic you want. I've set aside the time. I really want to talk to my listeners and I can't wait to hear from you. So if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, go to shulmanart.com forward slash iTunes. You can do this on your desktop or on your phone. You scroll down, click on ratings and reviews, scroll down, click the five stars, leave a helpful review for other listeners about what you like best about the show. Since I know many people's Apple ID is not the same as their name, then just take a screenshot of it and send it our way. I can't wait to talk to you. I would love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. Okay, now back to the episode. Today's guest is a public speaking and artist coach who works with executives, nonprofit leaders, and ambitious artists. Her goal as a public speaking coach is to help speakers connect with their audiences with clarity, authenticity, and warmth. She's the author of The Artist's Guide to Grant Writing, a book designed to help artists navigate the world of funding. The former editor of Professional Artist Magazine, today's guest has been a commenter on Oregon Public Radio and performed her dramatic monologues off-Broadway and at Seattle's On the Boards. Please welcome to the inspiration place, Gigi Rosenberg. Well, hello, Gigi, and welcome to the show. Hi, Miriam. It's great to be here. I'm so happy to see you. Yes, me too. I got your book. 
And uh, you had just sent me like the little preview chapter. But as soon as I learned that you used to vacation and Wellfleet, I had to get the book because you know, my family goes to Wellfleet every summer. Oh, really? Wow. Well, we were there mostly in the 60s and 70s. So I, I think we missed you, but it's a beautiful yes. place. We haven't gone there every single year. We have skipped a few years, but like about 15 summers. We like wow. To, yeah, we like to rent a house and swim in the ponds. And yes, it's a thing. It's especially That's an great. artist thing. And you mentioned your your mom was an artist. Yeah, my actually both my parents were professional visual artists. My wow. mom was a she made public art and my father was a painter and an illustrator. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. And then you are a multi-talented artist as well. Thank you. I'm a writer and also a solo performer. Wow. I have to also tell our listeners how we met. You were editing Professional Artist Magazine. I don't know if actually you remember this, but I had written to you, I had written a letter to the editor. It's not something I do all the time when you first took over because there was a definite shift in the publication for the better once you took over. Do you know what's going on with Professional Artist Magazine? I actually don't know what the latest is. It was sold to a different owner and it was supposed to keep going, but I actually haven't heard that it has kept going. So I don't think it is, but I, I don't know what the latest is. Right. I mean, I think even just getting their hands on the contact list is a value for whoever bought the magazine. That's true. I guess so. Yeah. It's too bad. I really liked it. I know it is too bad. You know, I had already been an avid reader of the magazine and I had been following it almost since its inception 30 years ago, because that's when I had graduated college and had dreams of becoming an artist. I met Gigi in person in Portland, which led to my writing for the magazine. It did. Which I don't think you realized that because of writing for the magazine, that is what planted the idea in my head that... Oh, it's really fun to be a member of the press. Maybe I'll start a podcast. I didn't realize that. Yeah, That's I didn't amazing. think you knew that. Wow. I thought your podcast was already going by then. No, That's great. No, I just started it last August. So, I mean, I started thinking about it in the beginning of 2018. But really what had started me along that path is I was having so much fun interviewing people. I just thought the reconnaissance aspect of it was so much fun to be able to ask people questions and pick their brains and they actually answer you because you're a member of the press. I just thought that was so cool. No, it's true. It's like permission to be a detective. And if it's a subject you want to know something about, you can ask questions that you can't ask in just normal conversation. You know, you can really sort of dig deep. Yeah. So I have you to thank for that. And we're talking today all about pitching. So starting with like pitching for whether you're pitching for a big grant, whether you're an artist or a writer. And I mean, I say that a lot of my audience are artists, but there's also people, visual artists, but there are also people who listen to the podcast who may be multi-passionate or in other fields as well. So we're talking about grants in general, but really the overarching theme of what we're talking about is really how to talk about yourself and your work. Absolutely. Yes. 
One thing I wanted to ask you about right away, because I thought this was a really great part of your book, was why you recommend to collaborate with people when you're researching. And it's kind of counterintuitive because these grants, these artist grants or any opportunities that people have in the art world are so hyper competitive. So I would love for you to elaborate on why it's helpful to collaborate with peers in this work. I set out a series of things you need to do to apply for a grant. And one of the first things you need to do is to research what's out there. Being an artist, being a writer, or really doing anything, even writing a book on on anything is such a lonely path. And what I was finding is that if you can make sort of artist dates to get together with another artist where you both go off and research and then come back and share your materials, or even just call each other and say, I'm going to spend the next two hours researching and then let's meet in two hours and share what we found you'll get so much more done than if you just sort of go off and grab these things and hope that, you know, nobody else is, you know, noticing them. So that's, that's why, that's what I recommend. You know, the funny thing is when I was writing my book about grant writing, before it was published, I did have this moment of thinking, what am I doing? I'm putting like all these secrets of, you know, how to win a grant into this book and I'm going to like put it out in the world. And I had this horrible, you know, feeling that what if someday somebody says, you know, they win a grant that I applied for and they thank me for the book, you know? Right. <laughs> well, I think, oh my God, why did I give all the secrets away? But the truth is my, my own life has been so expanded by teaching and giving my knowledge away and the chances of you and another artist, you know, competing for the exact same thing because every artist is so different than another artist are so small that there's really in the end more to gain by sharing than there is to try to keep your list secret, which you can't really do anyway. No. And I always like to compare being an artist to dating and romance it's kind of like you would never go to a singles bar by yourself. That is such a great example. That's so true. Yes. Right. Like, could you imagine? You could go to the bar if your friend and that cute guy likes your friend better. But that would have happened whether you brought your friend or not. Right. Like, he's just not into you. He's just not going to be into you. And the same thing yeah. with the grant or whatever the opportunity happens to be. If it's a match, it's a match. And just telling somebody else about it is not going to make it not a match. Exactly. Because everyone's so different, their idea is so different, that chances are you're not going to be neck and neck with that other artist. Yeah. The book, by the way, it really is a step-by-step, like do this and then do that, which I liked about it quite a bit. One thing, though, when I was reading it, I started to think of all the things that I have funded on my own that's like, shoot, I wonder if there was a grant out there I could have applied for, like this podcast. It's not cheap to run a podcast. And I'm basically just using the income from my business to support it. It's like, huh, I wonder if there's a grant out there for that. You know, what's interesting is, and what I tell people to do is you have to think ahead of time, how much time it's going to take to apply for a grant. Sometimes when you think about that, it's just faster and easier to fundraise another way or to pay for it yourself, you know, because you have to think about what am I going to get out of this? So if it's a very small grant and it's a very long application and at that moment in your life, you don't happen to need anything else. You don't happen to need the other benefits that are going to come from writing the grant. It might not be worth it. Mm. So it just kind of depends because, you know, if you put together all the hours it would take researching to find this possible podcast grant right. and all the hours applying for it, 
you know, if it's only to make $500, it might not be worth it. You know what I mean? Right, right. It just depends on so many other factors. One thing that I thought was funny about your book, and I found this is also true in my own life, you were talking about your first grant experience as being when you were on vacation with your family in South Wellfleet. So it was a summer afternoon, hot August afternoon in South Wellfleet. And I have a younger brother and younger sister, and we were all incredibly bored annoying our parents to no end. So I said to them, if you can give me the money to get some rolls of Super 8 film and loan me the tripod, I will take my brother and sister out of your hair. So they said, sure, go ahead. And why not? I would have done it too. That's cheap babysitting. Exactly. So we made a little animated film. Unfortunately, the tripod didn't quite hold it right. So the frame jumps around a lot, but it didn't matter. It was a multi-day project. And then when I was done with the film, the last frame said, this film made possible by a grant from Marvin and Lillianne Rosenberg, who were my parents. So I, you know, I was 14. And even then I had this idea that, well, first of all, you thank the funders, mm-hmm. but also that art costs money. And sometimes you need to fundraise to find that money. Yeah. I had a a funding experience early on too. And it's funny how like I kind of forgot all about it until I picked up your book when I was in college. So I was not a visual arts major. I majored in art history and engineering. And I had a ton of drawings and I decided I wanted to put on an art show, but I wasn't part of the visual arts major. First, I went to the engineering department and I asked them permission to mount the show in their lobby. Of course, there's a little bit of drama after I mounted the show because nobody knew that these were all going to be nude art in this very conservative college in New England. But anyway, I also funded the show by going to my friends who were in fraternities and sororities because I knew they had a budget for that. You know, one fraternity provided the reception, another one paid for something else. And I just went around campus and asked for money for various things that needed to be paid for. So it's interesting how like this, there's things that we do when we're young and we don't have fear. And then we forget about that later. Absolutely. That's such a great idea. But you know, what's interesting about that story is your focus was on the show and making the show. And I'm sure when you asked them for money, you explained what they were participating in. Yeah. And the other thing about it, and I'm not sure if this was a good thing or a bad thing, I really wasn't trying to monetize my art. I didn't put price tags on anything. Somebody came to me, says, I want to buy it. How much? I had to make up a price. I had no idea. It really hadn't even occurred to me that anybody would want to buy the arts because I hadn't reached that developmental stage in my mind with what my art was about, but it was important for me to show it. Yeah. And that was really what it was about. So I guess that also took away some of that fear with my asking where some people, when they know they're putting on a show that that's going to be for profit, that may be an inhibitor to them. I'm not saying that it should be, but that wasn't there for me just because it hadn't even really occurred to me. Yeah, sometimes you can't do everything at once, you know. (laughs) It's a big deal just to show my art. So back then. Yeah, huge. That's great. It's because I wasn't thinking about in terms of like, I'm asking people to fund me in order to support a career, but there's nothing wrong with that. Right, absolutely. So let's talk about, in general, what I liked about the whole applying for an artist grant process, how it's really similar to pitching yourself in any situation. And you talk a lot about how you really tailor, it's not that you change who you are for the opportunity, but how you can massage and talk about yourself in different ways. Can you elaborate on that? 
Sure. What I call it is customizing your application depending on the opportunity. And the example that I use when I teach is about 20 years ago, I was living in Paris and I attended a year-long school in French. It was In some circles, it was a famous school to study language at. I have this thought that I really want to do a residency, this specific residency in France. So when the day comes that I apply for the residency, I'm probably going to, when I put my resume together, include that certificate in French language that I have. Now, it hasn't been on my resume for years, but when I apply for that residency, it's going to go on there. And it's not because that little one addition is going to make the difference. They're going to go, oh, she has a certificate that's 20 years old from this right. you know, French language school. Right. I want my whole application to support the fact that I want to study in France. Mm. And that one little certificate is just one little piece moving in that direction. So I'm not making it up. I actually did get it. But that's an example of how you might start to customize your application because you want the person reading your application to feel like you are the artist they've been waiting for to walk through the door. Mm. You know, like your opportunity is really going to be a game changer. It's the absolute right next thing for you to do. People that have money or have an opportunity, they're trying to find the person whose art and life sort of depends on that opportunity because they wanted to have the biggest impact. Mm. So that's a, you know, one example of how you would customize an application. So that's why like if you were applying to a grant artist residency in Italy, that would be left off, even though that might be an interesting fact about you. Exactly. Or, you know, if, if being international was important to that residency, maybe I would leave that thing on. But, you know, so it just sort of depends on, you kind of have to suss out what you think is going to be important to the people reading the application. Now, you recently were in Italy. Was that an artist residency or is that a personal? What, tell me about that. No. So my husband teaches, uh, he's a professor at a college that does a lot of semester abroad programs. And that college often sends professors and their families with the students. So he and I were in Siena, Italy with 25 students. We weren't living with them. They all did homestays. So we got to move there and live there and work from there for three months. And this is the second time we've done it. The last time we did it was about 13 years ago. That's fantastic. Because so, I've been yeah. following all your gorgeous Insta Envy pictures. Yeah, it was the worthy a, pictures. Yeah. Yes, it was a great experience living in some place and really getting to know it in a way that's pretty impossible when you're a tourist. Fantastic. I also want to talk about briefly, I have not applied for any artist grants since that college experience, but I have sat on the other side of the table. In my community, there's a group of women, and I believe this is an organization that's modeled after other organizations in other parts of the country. We call ourselves impact, like that word impact reminded me. Instead of us sitting around having a fundraiser and trying to decide what appetizer to serve and what the theme of the fundraiser should be, in order to join this group, you actually have to start off contributing a thousand dollars. And the mission is that, so we have, we're actually up to 300 people in my local community is now, what to do with that $300,000? So we actually review grant proposals for different organizations. So it's very interesting to be on the other side of that table and understanding that whole process of like what people are looking for and the people who are reading applications are not necessarily the ones who know the jargon in the industry, which I can see that being an issue also with 
with artists, like knowing how to talk about yourself and your art in a way that is relatable to somebody who's reading the application who may not know anything about glass fusion, acrylic pour art, or whatever it happens to be. Absolutely. I mean, the best school you can go to is to sit on a panel reviewing applications. That's how I got into this. I I did that and I was just shocked at how artists could not, most of them could not explain in a cogent way what they wanted, why they wanted it, why it was going to make a difference. Yeah. And the charities that we, grant proposals we read, they're not all artist grants. In fact, very few of them are. I mean, we mostly deal with organizations looking for money, nonprofits looking for money. There are a few arts organizations. But even then, it was like, they assume you have knowledge of something. And this particular year, my job was actually to meet with the nonprofits who met that first hurdle. Like we get the letters of intent. And then we narrowed down the pool. And I met with a group of them to say, hey, this is what your application's missing. This is what we don't understand. If you want to make it to the next stage, this is what you need to change. What is important that Gigi teaches in when you're working with artists and also in her book is that's why it's so important to collaborate because you really need to have somebody else look at that application to see what's missing. Absolutely. Because it's really impossible to read your own application and think about what's missing because you know your artwork inside and out. But somebody else, you know, I recommend both artists and non-artists look at it. Because the non-artist will pick out things like jargon that they just don't understand. Yeah. And the artist actually can help. They can help in their own way too. You definitely need to have a couple of different people read your application along the way. Because, you know, sometimes you forget to put the date of the exhibit, you know, that you're trying to get funded or, you know, just very simple stuff because you know the date. It's stuff like that. And having having an outside reviewer is, is just so worth it. And I want to circle back to something more general, because there may be a lot of people who are listening, maybe they're curious about these artist grants, but we're really talking about how to talk about yourself and your work. So it could be a formal process that you're applying for an artist or writer grant. But even when you're just talking about yourself in an elevator pitch, you really have to tailor what you say to whoever you're talking to. Now, sometimes what people ask me is, how do I know who I'm talking to, especially if there's someone that I'm just meeting? Mm. So what I teach in my elevator pitch class is how to come up with several different versions of your elevator pitch that are also different lengths. And once you get to know it well enough, you can have them in your back pocket. So you have the little one, and then you just sort of, as you say, what you are and what you do, then you sort of watch for the person's reaction. Then you can sort of, well, am I going to talk about my teaching, or am I going to talk about my prints, or am I going to talk about my next show coming up? And chances are, one of those things is going to match whoever you're talking to. Maybe they've got kids and they want to enroll in your classes, or maybe they want to take classes, or maybe they're a collector, or maybe they love giraffes, or whatever it is. So you'll have a like sort of a very long elevator pitch, but then once you get experienced and comfortable using it, you'll be able to take little pieces of it and patch it together in a conversational way so that your elevator pitch turns into a conversation about your art and you know where your art kind of meets wherever they are. People say the elevator pitch. I like to refer to it as your high school reunion story. You know, like, That's a great. Right? Like, what are you going to say when someone says, what are you up to, Miriam? And if I say I'm an artist, 
that's not actually a good conversation starter. It's just too vague. People have different images of what that means. But if I say, oh, I have a podcast, like right now, that's my hot, hot button conversation right. starter. That's right. Yeah. What's yours, Gigi? Because you do a lot of things too. I've narrowed it down to public speaking coach and artist coach. And, you know, it depends on where I am and how I'm introducing myself. Because if I'm in a business setting, I'm, I'm assuming people are more interested in my public speaking. So I'll mm. just be the one. You know how it is with artists. There's somebody who's a dancer and a filmmaker and a right. poet. Right. Or sometimes a few other things too. So I encourage them to come really whittle it down to two things, three at the absolute most, or just come up with a couple of different elevator pitches, one for your dancer self, one for your painter self, and one for your poet self. So you'll just be using those in different ways, depending on who you're with and where you are. Like I said, I do similar things. So if I'm meeting with people who also have an online business, but not necessarily artists, then I lean into the, I have an online art class site and I have a podcast, whereas somebody else I might just be talking about. I'm a painter and usually I try to put the word professional painter in there because everybody has a grandma who paints, you know, right? right absolutely. So just, just try to like distinguish myself. Do you have in your teaching class like a framework for coming up with that elevator pitch? I do. I, I made a little workbook because what I love to do is take something that feels impossible and, and to break it down into the, the absolute most baby steps there are. And I also teach this in an online class and also in, a, in an in-person class that I do in Portland. And so I break it down so that you, you're basically asking yourself a bunch of different questions. And it starts with the most easy one, like, what's my name? And then what do I make? You know, what's my process? But like very, very specifically. So for example, there's a paper artist I know, and she has a very interesting process and the way she makes paper is super cool. So her process is pretty involved and there's a lot of good material there that she could put into an elevator pitch where with a writer, you know, they they might not have such a interesting process. It might be well I sit down and I pick up my pen. So but I ask so many questions that no matter what kind of artist you are, there's a way to there's going to be some answers. You just narrow your material down. Then you've got that. And then you start to weave these little pieces together into a story that sort of like makes sense, you know, has a beginning, a middle and an end. But you do it in such little pieces that it's never overwhelming. That's fantastic. All right. So if you want to work with Gigi, either developing your elevator pitch or applying for artist grant, or perhaps you have a big talk coming up, you can go to her website, ggrosenberg.com. You can also grab her book, The Artist's Guide to Grant Writing. I've posted a link to that as well as her website in the show notes. So everything for today's show is at shulmanart.com forward slash 52. And just a quick reminder that I post all the books of my guests and the books I'm reading at shulmanart.com forward slash book club. All right, Gigi, do you have any last words? for my listeners before we call this podcast complete. Sometimes people feel frustrated and maybe even a little bit annoyed that they have to write about or describe their art. But what I find is the process of doing it, sort of forcing yourself to articulate what you make and why you make it, actually helps you when you get back to the studio. Mm. You know, you come up with the idea for the series or you realize there is a theme that helps you deepen the work that you're doing. 
I understand. And I, you know, I feel the same way sometimes. And, oh, why do I have to write about it? I just want to like make it. But the writing about it and the articulating it can actually help you make better art. And then you can repurpose everything. So Absolutely. maybe you didn't get the grant, but now you've used it for your press release for that show that you figured out how to fund yourself or your blog post or your social media posts or... Yeah, or even if it's, you know, the description for your website or a, a better bio. Yes, so it's never, ever wasted doing all the promotional writing, whether it's for the grant or for so many other things. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks so much again for joining us today. Thank you. It was great. Now, to wrap this all up, I just want to remind everybody to make sure you're subscribed to my podcast. Although I do send out notices through email and also through my Facebook Messenger notifications. The very best way to get the podcast is through your device. So it's easy if you have an Apple device because you can just hit the purple subscribe button. But I am on Spotify and Stitcher and all those other places or Google Play if you have an Android. That way, the episode will be sent straight to your phone and you can listen to it on the go. Now, if you're feeling extra loving, I'd really appreciate it if you left a review over on iTunes. And if you drop your Instagram handle into the review, I'll be sure to give you a shout out over on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I will see you the same time, same place next week. Make it a great one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. The writer's sketch, you can actually order the book, either a Kindle version, or you can order the paperback version directly from me on my website. You'll find the links to that over at shulmanart.com dot com forward slash poetry book. <laughs>